0: coming up on this episode of The Hive Life. For me, you know, the interesting thing is, in our business, sometimes you're not always control of the promotion of yourself, or even the station. Social media was like this way for me to have, like, complete control. Um, And the thing was, weather's a 24-7 operation. It's just not at 5, 6, and 11 o'clock on TV. So social media was this outlet for me to basically push out content 24-7, and really on the customer's terms, like, hey, they, they need the weather on the weekend, they need it first thing in the morning, they need it in the middle of the night. And this was a way to reach my audience directly without having to go through the station. Welcome to The Hive Life, where we pull back the curtain on Spiracle Media, a company based in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a team of former journalists that create beautiful, impactful stories that connect with your audience
1: Welcome to this episode of the Hive Life Podcast. We're coming to you from our studio in the south end of Charlotte. I'm Jared Latch, joined by Tim Baer, both co-founders of Spherical Media. And our guest today is Brad Panovich, the chief meteorologist at WCNC-TV here in Charlotte. And if you're from outside the area, you might be thinking, why a meteorologist on a business (laughs) marketing podcast? Well, I think hopefully you'll understand that by the end of our time together. Brad, thanks for being here. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with a little bit of your background. Uh, you're a self-proclaimed weather geek and science guy, and it was at an early age that you at least had the science part of that in your sights, wanting to be a scientist. So what fueled that initial desire?
0: You know, it's, it's funny. I, I grew up in Ohio, so we had a big blizzard when I was six years old, and I, I remember distinctly. It's like a light bulb moment for me. I remember us getting so much snow, we couldn't open our front door. There was a big drift, and my dad literally having to like climb out the first story window to dig out the front door. And I got my snow gear on and went out there as he was shoveling the driveway. And I was just mesmerized. I wanted to know how, what, and why this happened. And really, that was, from that moment on, I, every severe weather event, tornado, thunderstorm, fog, I just wanted to know. I was just fascinated with bad weather. My parents thought I was a little crazy because, you know, I'm running outside when the weather's getting bad. And I'm just fascinated with this stuff. And they thought I'd outgrow it. And I just never did. I just, just kept being one of those things, every book report, science fair project through school was always on weather. That's just what I wanted to do. And it's funny because, you know, I had some people on TV that I followed growing up. But, you know, when I when I was young, um, it probably dates me a little bit. But, you know, most of the, the weather people on TV weren't meteorologists, right? They were personalities or they were someone who, hey, you're not good at the news. Can you go over to the weather center and read? They'd really know the science. They were really presenters. And so I never really wanted to do that because I really was fascinated with the science. And Luckily, I stumbled into an internship in college because there was a hiring freeze in the government, which is the biggest employer meteorologist, meteorologists, and it just kind of took off from there.
2: That's awesome. Talking about college a little bit, um, you played soccer at Ohio State. Yes, I didn't realize that actually. I've known you for years, and I never <laughs> knew that. Um, but also during that time, it allowed you to chase tornadoes. Take yes. us back to some of those stories.
0: So yeah, I was. I have this joke. That, you know, like during spring break when all my friends were chasing girls in Florida, I was chasing tornadoes out in <laughs> Oklahoma because. Uh, that was the time of year that we could go chase, and you know, in Ohio, you could chase later in the spring. But we were on quarters at Ohio State, so our spring break was really early. It was like usually in March or like late, you know, or early April, and some of them were a little bit later. So that wasn't really ideal chasing time in Ohio. So we'd go out to Oklahoma for that spring break, and we'd chase tornadoes for a week or two. And I actually took one entire spring quarter off to chase tornadoes out there with some of my classmates and some um, colleagues at the University of Oklahoma and. It was amazing. I mean, that if I could get paid to do that full time, that would be like my dream job. Cause just being out there, it, it just, I, that's where I live. I just, I love seeing tornadoes close up and it was really, really
2: cool. Did you have the cow fly by? <laughs> like, you know, you it's say how close, say yeah, how close right.
0: do you get to the action? <laughs> well, it's funny. We don't really get that close out there. Unlike, you know, here in the Carolinas where, you've, you know, we kind of take for granted that, you know, the, the tornado, we get a warning, but you can't really see much here because of trees and hills and buildings out there if you've ever been in rural Oklahoma or Kansas you can see for 20 30 miles there's barely any trees it's all ranches so um, you could see the tornadoes from far enough away that you didn't have to get close the biggest struggle honestly is the roads cuz a tornado right. can go wherever you want yeah, but you, you could yeah and if you've ever been out there everything's plotted in these giant squares around the farms So you're zigzagging while the tornado is going diagonal. So chasing is really hard because of the roads.
1: Now, entrepreneurial mindset. (laughs) I lost for a moment there in the story. I'm thinking of the tornado going down and the the zigzagging. (laughs) But we talk about uh, entrepreneurship, obviously, with with spherical Media and the company that we've been able to build. Uh, You had a stop in Traverse City, Michigan, where you were tasked with creating a department. Yeah. Uh, What was
0: that like? that was an interesting opportunity I got pretty lucky out of school and my first TV job was in a pretty big market it was in Dayton Ohio just because I was local and I could I could take the job but the great thing was it was I wasn't on a contract so this job opportunity came up in Traverse City Michigan where it was a Fox startup this is when the Fox stations were starting to do the late news they were really pushing the the affiliates so they said hey we want to hire you as the first on-air person literally there was no anchors I was the first person hired but you would build the whole department from the ground up. So from set design to going out with the salespeople and selling myself basically, because we needed sponsors for the weather segments. And so I got, that was my crash course in TV, because I had to do everything. Um, it was a smaller market, but that experience really kind of set me on my, on my path to success, because I really got to learn the business, just not the meteorology of it. Like, here's what you need to do to sell it. Here's what you need to do to you know promote it. Here's what you need to do is for graphics and set design. So it was really kind of unique. And I didn't know anything about that part of the business because I had no communication or journalism background. My, my degree is in atmospheric science. So um, that part of the business was, was amazing. So that was a really good learning time for me in
2: my career. And so from Traverse City, you went where? How did your map go? Because so, I know some, all of us that worked in TV yeah. have this weird map of cities that we never... So this
0: is really bizarre. I went from Traverse City, Michigan to New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> so <laughs> literally almost the Canadian border to the Gulf of Mexico. And it really wasn't something that I wanted to do. I thought I'd work at Traverse City for a while. For being young, I had a pretty good contract up there. The station was new. I think they didn't know any better. They gave me health club membership. I had a clothing allowance. I was I was making the most money I'd ever made in my life. I thought it, I'd be there for a while. Well, as often in this business, the station was being sold, and I had just come back from a weather conference um, in Orlando, Florida, and you know I had networked with people, and people were like, "Hey, you should come check out my." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good." Well, I got back. We had the meeting. We're selling the station, and I knew enough about the business. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get fired, but it's probably a good time to keep your options open. So. I contacted somebody i networked with down in uh, wwl in new orleans and uh, they said come on down for an interview i said well at the very worst it's a free trip to new orleans right <laughs> so i fly down there and they that day they offered me the job and so i thought man do i want to live in new orleans but it was a big pay increase and it was the number one cbs affiliate in the country at the time um, formerly owned by the catholic church down there and if you've been in new orleans 80 percent catholic so it was like that was the station so i thought that would be a great building block for my career i figured i'd stay there a year or two and i always thought i'd go back to ohio at some point i don't know you always had this vision you're going to go back to your hometown i ended up staying down there four years (laughs) and um, i thought i would be there short period and i was looking to get back north because honestly it wasn't that i didn't like new orleans or the people i missed four season climate as a meteorologist you love the challenge of four seasons and i had been to the carolinas a bunch of times played soccer at ohio state we came down and played Clemson. Um, i went to soccer camp in Asheville, so i knew this area pretty well i said this is a great place and our sister station had an opening i applied got the job came up here and literally the first week i just fell in love with the city and knew this is where i was going to be long term
1: and you mentioned a moment ago that that promotion was one of the things you learned at traverse city michigan spot and it's something that you do extremely well you've got a significant following on twitter you leverage social How did you get to that point? And and talk a little bit about how you use those platforms for you. I know it's so important to just get the information out.
0: Yeah, for me, you know, the interesting thing is in our business, sometimes you're not always control of the promotion of yourself or even the station. Social media was like this way for me to have like complete control. Um, And the thing was, weather's a 24-7 operation. It's just not at 5, 6, and 11 o'clock on TV. So social media was this outlet for me to basically push out content 24 7 and really on the customer's terms like hey they, they need the weather on the weekend they need it first thing in the morning they need it in the middle of the night and this was a way to reach my audience directly without having to go through the station um, but the other aspect of that was it's like I could reach people that weren't watching me on TV these were potential customers or viewers you know that maybe never in a million years watch local TV so if I could reach them on their on, on their level and say hey you know I mean, you may not watch the six o'clock news every night, but if you get your information from me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, when there is weather, maybe you'll flip us on during the week. So we saw a, a huge, you know, influx of our brand going up. And that's why I tell people, like, does, does social media equate viewers? You know, we've done research at the station. It does in some aspects, but the biggest thing we found is like brand recognition goes through the roof. People knew our station through me and where I worked so it was a huge branding opportunity that kind of became very successful for us and for me personally
2: so a lot of people get caught up in the fact that they're on tv yeah (laughs) Um, and in your world obviously you, you you're a scientist first and meteorologist first and then tv person second how do you separate the two and how does that play out for you
0: that That's a really good question, actually. I always tell people when my job, like the TV part, is the easiest and smallest part of my, my job. Because if you think about the time that I have on TV, it's literally like three minutes on average. That's such a minute part of my day. Most of my day is spent doing the physics, the math, the meteorology, building graphics, um, the promotion, social media, all the digital stuff. Whereas, you know, the the TV thing is just like, giving the book report at the end of working hard on it. You know, it's like you've done all this work and now you're presenting your, you know, for you guys like going into a client's office and like we did all the work, here's the presentation. That's kind of the TV part for me. So the, the hardest part is, you know, being able to get everything you want out in that short period of time. I, I mean, you know, I've never been nervous on camera or in front of people, but I always tell kids when I t- do career days, time constraints are like the hardest part of our job because you have to forecast for 22 counties or 80 counties or whatever in two minutes and 30 seconds. So you have to become very efficient in your words, your graphics. So one of the things that I really have grown to enjoy and really strive for now is how do I communicate as much information in the shortest period of time? Not just verbally, but um, gra- visually as well. Graphics. What graphic can I show that will you know, visualize and tell you the forecast in the, in the least amount of characters, colors, colors? and maps. so it, it really that's become a big part of it and the science part it, it's funny because uh you know people aren't really good at science I mean let's be honest like most scientists aren't good at talking to people so for me the, the cool thing about my job is I get to take this cool geeky science thing and try to put it in a way that people can understand and when people get something that I that's like the biggest thrill of my life it's like Brad, I understand dew points because you showed me what they mean, you know? I, I'm not one of those people, like, I hate when we used to have consultants say dumb it down or don't show them this. I'm like, no, you just have to tell a better story. You just got to do it in a way that people can understand. It's like having a good or bad teacher. The material's not the problem. It's usually the person presenting
1: it to you, you know? No, I have to ask personally because sports, when we were in it, we came up after weather. <laughs> and I always thought, because you touched on the time constraints, yeah. And I always thought weather was going longer on purpose quite a bit. To gyp sports, right? Yes. Do you get other cues? So they have to cue you like 30 seconds prior to what the real cue would be so that you can get Well, it?
0: it's it's funny you say that because I, I would think my biggest detriment is like I, I would try to cram too many graphics into a short period of time. Um and so yeah, I think some of my producers kind of sneakingly said that. Give me that 15 or 30 second cue a little bit early because I knew I'd go just a little bit longer. You know, because you guys know the seven day or the 10 day now is like that's the big thing. You always got to save time. for that. (laughs) Yeah. So we we would count down to the time that we had to give 30 seconds to that. So they kind of always kind of gave you a 30 second buffer. But you're right. When the weather is crazy. I feel like I'm always going over because there's just so much to talk about, you know, like winter weather around here, it's like snowing in one place, raining somewhere else. It's, it's really hard to get all that in, but yeah, I always felt bad for the sports guys. Cause I love sports and I'm like, you know, you're jipping the sports person if you go long.
1: Well, we always had to load it up with a couple of stories we could drop. Yeah. You know, right. Even at the six o'clock, but Getting back to you on social and your presence, especially on Twitter, because I've hit you up from time to time on direct message and I try not to do it all the time. But if there's a family outing or I want to know how it's going to affect my tea time, I hit Brad up and say, how, how are we looking here? But with you, it seems like you're probably responsive all the time. How, how do you stay up with all that? And balance the family stuff at the
0: same time. That's tough. Um, I think that's why I like Twitter so much because it is something you can do super quick and easy, even like when you're doing family stuff. And you know, it's not. I don't. I don't like to check my phone. I definitely have off limits times now, like at dinner or certain times of the weekend. But it's it's easy for me to pick up the phone and like see a, you see a question from somebody and answer. And you know, to me, that's probably the most successful part of being on social media for me. And people was like, "What's your secret?" There's no secret, there's no silver, silver bowl, but I do, I'm a big fan of people trying to respond to as many people as possible. That personal touch is important. Let's face it, everybody's got weather on their phone, right? You can go look at the forecast, but it's the nuance of it. Like, what does that icon mean? What does a 40% mean? Does that mean I can't go to the golf course? I can't, because, you know, if you go to the beach, for instance, everyone you know, will hit me up on Facebook or Twitter and be like, oh, it looks like it's going to be a rainy weekend at the beach because you know, my app says it's going to be 80% every day. Like, no, that's like every day at the beach, right? You get a passing storm for 30 minutes in the afternoon and it's sunny the rest of the day. I can tell you that the app can't really inform you that. You just see that 80% and think, oh, it's going to rain all day. No, that just means it's going to rain for 10 minutes in the middle of the afternoon. That means 23 and a half hours of the rest (laughs) of the day, you're going to be fine. But that's what the app can't tell you. So that's what keeps me in business. So that's why social media is so important because I can give that personal touch and kind of be that, you know, interpreter of the information, not too much different than a doctor. I'm sure a lot of people go to WebMD and go, oh, I think I have this. Well, you've got to go ask a doctor, and then they'll give you a better opinion. So it's I'm not against apps because they actually drive probably more people to ask me questions because they see something that they have a question about.
2: So something that you have that I think some people have now been able to get used to is the work from home side of this thing. You have this command center at home that you're able to still do your work from home. Everybody else now through this whole pandemic has had to get used to that and the idea of having a home office. What's that been like for you and and how did that all come about?
0: It's funny you say that because literally when this all happened, um, my boss was like, let's test your shot. And I did because I already had the setup you're good go home it was like i was the first one home and i was the first one back because like you said i already built um, a studio at home because i did so much digital content Um uh, I'm, a, I'm a reformed gamer i tell people because i used to game a lot as a kid so i built my own machine and i built it with three monitors and all set up for streaming and for building graphics at home and basically doing digital updates from my from my home so i got usb mic lighting everything it was all set up so it wasn't too hard for the, me to go live from home Almost immediately because I could do it right now. Um, so for me, it was really super easy. Um, the hardest part is actually that I didn't really think about was just the setup time um, for all the shows because when you're doing live nonstop. And the other thing is, you know, having your family around because you know they're they're home with you. So it's like I think a lot of folks have gone through this where your kids are at home and you're working from home. For me, it was like the talk, like, "Hey, no yelling because I'm on TV <laughs> for two and a half hours." And when you have two kids, it's like. It's hard to tell them not to be loud Um, so that was the hardest part was juggling the family and work from home at the same time and I know a lot of people have dealt with that um, but for me it was particularly hard because I wasn't used to having to do that at the same time Um, the work from home was like a way for me to be with them more now it was like there was a little bit of conflict because they were around all the time. <laughs> so it made it a little difficult.
1: Sure. Did you get the family to come in and help you with some of that <laughs> setup at all? Did they?
0: My son did. He was really good because what I did, I tried to mix up my shots. I would go in the backyard quite a bit uh, and work from home. So I would have him carry lights down or carry the mic cables and uh, go set up because you know, I had a pretty elaborate setup at home. I was using my phone as my primary um, camera because we have an app that, you know, TVU, which is a big company that – streams it back to the station so I was relying on laptops and tablets and other things to do like my IFB and control my graphics so I had a lot of other ancillary equipment going on in the background and then lighting Um, and so it was the setup every day was a little crazy because you're like I, I now I understand how a lot of the photographers I work with feel like where they're literally setting up and breaking down all the time that's pretty much what I was doing every single day between five and six and then at night I'd go inside and go upstairs so there was a different location for all the shows.
1: So let's go back to Ohio State real quick and playing soccer there and then you you played a year professionally in in Columbus so that's on your resume as well. I always enjoy this with guys that play collegiately and in a major D1 school. What did you take from that experience playing soccer that maybe translated into what you do now or even the start of your career?
0: You know, it's interesting. I I was always into sports, but soccer was the one thing I played year round and I got really good at because I was a keeper. Um, So if you're good at goalkeeping, it's like being a left handed pitcher or a catcher. I mean, it's like you're such a valuable commodity. So I was always able to make teams and get on teams. So when I went to college, you know, I knew I wasn't going to play professionally. So I knew meteorology was my future. So I turned down a lot of scholarship offers to smaller schools because they didn't have meteorology programs. So when I went to Ohio State, I didn't have no intentions of playing. I just decided to walk on, and I I made the team and played two years and then just didn't like the coach, and we'd get he was not a big fan of (laughs) walk-ons. So um, I decided to go play with the club team, and I think just the practice and being around the guys and just that experience um, was really helpful to me. I mean, just, you know, especially I look back now, I think my TV career probably took off more because of playing soccer because being around guys and having that you know the communication with them um and and working in in, a d1 school you mentioned about the cool thing about playing soccer at ohio state we weren't a big soccer school at the time they've grown but this just goes to show you how big football is at any school the facilities we had at at our disposal were amazing we could practice in the woody hayes facility when it was raining you know most schools don't have that and then the training tables and the you know we were sponsored by Nike that's one thing I remember it was so cool I wasn't on scholarship but I got lots of free gear right got all gear, this Nike always. gear so it's like any shoe you wanted any jacket so the gear to me was like the coolest thing ever Um and then just seeing like the training tables you'd see the football guys and like the stuff they got to do I mean what they eat and what they got to work on and I'm like so but it them being so successful really helped all the other sports and having those facilities was, was really amazing but I think just you know, being around the team and being a leader too, um, especially my senior year on the club team, traveling and kind of being a leader on, on the team really helped a lot for my, what has eventually been like my management part of my job as a chief meteorologist is you're in charge of other people. So I think the responsibility I gained in that helped quite a bit.
2: All right. So this is the part where we do some rapid questions, little fun ones. Um, so outside of the office, what keeps you moving and motivated?
0: My family, definitely (laughs) the kids, uh, now that they're both nine and 10, they're doing so many activities. In fact, I was just camping with them this past weekend in scouts and, um, I love that part. It's, it's really cool. And now that they're the age where I can actually do stuff with them that I like to do as well, like golfing, baseball, soccer, and camping. So that, that really keeps me going.
1: If you can pinpoint one pivotal moment in your professional life, what would that be?
0: Hurricane Katrina. You know that's that's the the storm i was actually working in charlotte it seems weird i was here for two years and went back to help my old station because they were short staffed so i was there before the storm hit because i knew it was going to be bad and i kind of reached out to them saying hey if you need help i thought i would do it remotely like update the website or something hey why don't you come on down here i'm like really so i flew down and so i experienced katrina firsthand i mean i wrote it out in the hyatt regency superdome worked there for two weeks um that was the first storm that you know as, as a meteorologist and a weather geek, I always get really excited about bad weather. I'll be honest, that's the way I was. That was the first time in my life I was like, I did not want bad weather because I saw how it affected people. I knew, I cared about my coworkers, and I just saw things that I thought I'd never see in my career. So to me, that was like a pivotal moment. And that was also the time when I came back and I got promoted to chief meteorologist after that event because of my work down there.
2: That's awesome. Uh, what would be your advice to someone that's looking to build an online presence?
0: That's a great question. I think, I think the biggest thing is people want it to happen right away. It's like, they want a quick fix and they take shortcuts. And I think the thing is you got to be consistent and you got to be true to your brand or your, your company. Um, it's like for me, it's like, I don't try to be more than what I am. I know who I am. I'm a weather geek, right? You know, if I try to do something, if I tried to be funny or do entertainment type stuff, I would look silly. First of all, that's not who I am. And it's kind of off brand because I do more sciencey stuff. You know, that's kind of what I expect. And I really appreciate people that come and say, hey, you look like you love your job, and I really get excited for the science stuff, like whether it's astronomy um, or other things like that. And I think what a lot of people fail to do is that they try to be something they're not, and it doesn't look authentic, and it comes across as fake. Um, but I do think consistency is a big part. And Jared, you mentioned this about replying to people. I think always being there and answering questions and not, you know, taking days off um, because, you know, when the weather's bad for me, that's the most important time. Sometimes it's not convenient for my schedule, but I've kind of learned that when the weather's calm, that's when I get that time back. But to make sure I'm there when my, my viewers need me the most.
1: And the last one is, what is something that people wouldn't know about you that you enjoy doing, fun fact, etc. cetera?
0: Well, it's funny. I You know, I've done some videos on this, this Is the one, like, off-weather topic thing that I've done. I've done some diy stuff at my house like, you know i did one video where i changed oil in my car and for people are blown away that i changed my own oil and it was funny we had a guy 18t guy come out and do our fiber he was installing fiber and he knew who i was and he saw me mowing the grass and like you're working in the yard and he was like blown away he's like you don't hire someone to do that i'm like no i like doing that type so i'm really a hands-on kind of guy i love um working around the house building stuff working on the car um and Part of it is, you know, some of it's financial. Like I, I think it's cheaper to change your order or do your own work, but it's also kind of a satisfying thing when you do your own thing, like building something recited my house, my first house in Charlotte, I recited it completely by myself just cause I got a quote from a contractor and I thought it was way too high and I knew I could do it better and I did it myself. So stuff like that is a kind of, I think people are shocked that I actually take the time to work on my own stuff.
1: <laughs> well, Brad, thank you so much uh, for coming by. Uh, great conversation. Fun guy. It's just great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, guys. And make sure to follow Brad on Twitter at WXBrad. We just call him Weather Brad. That's all <laughs> you need to know. Check him out on WCNC-TV here in Charlotte as well. And I want to remind you to visit the podcast page of our website under the Resources tab at sphericalbuzz.com for more episodes. And also follow us on social media, all the major platforms at Spherical Media. For Tim Bear. And Brad Panovich, I'm Jared Latch. Thanks for listening, and so long for now.
0: You've been listening to The Hive Life, brought to you by Spiracle Media. Always remember, you can visit spiraclebuzz.com or follow us at Spiracle Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on The Hive Life.